Welcome to Please Bet on Football Games. Hello and welcome to another episode of Please Bet on Football Games, The Look. I am your host, Alex, here with the on-air talent, Joe. Joe, how you doing today? We back. Hell yeah. After two hours of preamble, we are ready to podcast. <laughs> we did so much work talking exclusively about football, getting ready to bring you this episode. You ready to jump on in? My dead-eyed smile says yes. First up, the Washington Commanders, probably. Yeah, we're going to let that slide. We're not going to we're not going to go on this rant today. Let's do the Commanders. Vegas has Washington as team 25. PFF has T- Washington as team 22, and I have them at 10. Uh I'm just going to run through the positions. Go for it. It's been a while due to some technical and scheduling difficulties, so I forgot how we do this, but uh let's start start with the offensive line. This is this is the X factor of the whole team. The, the offensive line is kind of shit yeah it's not good and i try you try not to take anything out of preseason or training camp reports but apparently for a large portion of august they were having trouble running plays in practice because the offensive line was getting blown up so quickly and and the commanders have a sick defensive line so i guess that covers that position group but it's one thing to hold up it's another to run the play yeah and i agree that preseason doesn't mean that much but normally if your offensive line is garbage in preseason, that's going to carry over. Well, yeah, I mean, t- typically our stance is you cannot excel in preseason. You can only fail or maintain. So you can downgrade somebody. Like, if somebody shows up to preseason fat as shit, can't run a route anymore, yeah, downgrade them. But if they show up looking to be, uh, you know, in the best shape of their career, it's pre- don't do anything. It didn't mean anything. So never buy the hype in the preseason, but there's some pretty negative hype around this offensive line. Um, like Charles Leno is probably their best offensive lineman, and he is a mediocre left tackle. Yeah. Like, like the definition of mediocre. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little better than average at pass blocking, but maybe a little below average at run blocking. He might be the DAC line for left tackles. And then from there, it only gets worse. I don't even want to go over them. Yeah, I mean, Sam Cosme was... He could, he could be good. Yeah, I mean, he was, what, a second-round pick a few years ago? Yeah, he's a, he's a Wisconsin lineman. He's moving into guard. So, you know, he could be good. But again, what? Text. Oh, yeah. Shit, you're right. You just assumed. No, I got that totally transposed. I knew he was text. Fuck me. Regardless... Yeah, he could be good, and that would make him their best offensive lineman again. Like their stabilizing forces that they brought in were uh, Wiley at right tackle, right? Yes. And then Nick Gates at center. Nick Gates, who couldn't start for the Giants last year. This portion of the podcast has been redacted for slander. <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate that. Uh, Nick Gates, not not, not good. Great. No, no. So yeah, their whole off- we're doing the thing where we go through all the position, all the players, but th- their offensive line is going to be. If everything goes well, just barely okay. Yeah, I, I think it's going to suck, and I think it's going to really tank the team. Yeah. But the rest, of the, the rest of the offensive players are pretty solid. I mean, well, the wide receiver room just took a big hit with McLaurin going down. He's going to be fine. He's got a sprained toe. Didn't they say he might miss a couple weeks? Yeah, but the next two weeks are preseason and bye week. And then they have a, they have a de facto bye week week one against the Cardinals. Mm, I thought they meant like he might miss a couple weeks of the no, no, season. No, no, no. no. He's on track to be back week one, but like not 100%. And I expect them fully to be dominating that game any which way. So, because looks like they might start Clayton Toon. Jesus. Yeah, I didn't scout Clayton Toon because he didn't rise to the level of intriguing me. That's bad. Yeah, we're, we're, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. Uh, some week one talk that we're going to have some fun with. All right, so we'll talk about wide receivers. This is my favorite wide receiving core in the NFL. It's awesome. Terry McLaurin is low-key a top five receiver. Curtis Samuel does not get shine. Jahan Dodson is everything Garrett Wilson is, but with none of the credit. Mm-hmm. And who they, who's their fourth guy? Oh, Dami Brown. I has was about a, to say, my boy. Unfortunately, he's Sam Howell's like best friend. I thought Deami Brown was kind of pretty significantly overrated out of UNC. But he's a great wide receiver for. He's got yeah, a, I liked him. Now You did, and you're a better wide receiver scout than me. You are. My wide receiver scouting is just it's cause I don't actually like scout wide receivers. <laughs> I watch him play a few times and like look at their stats and I'm like this guy just feels like a guy that I, I'm going to like. He's going to do well. You also absolutely have a type. Like you want six foot to six foot one, really quick feet. The rest you'll pretty much round up on. Mm-hmm. 
So if they, if they run well after the catch too, oh fuck me. DJ Moore, Elijah Moore, AJ Brown, these are your dudes. Mm-hmm. These are great. Um, yeah, Deami Brown's a great wide receiver for. And then at tight end, they've got Logan Thomas, who took the advice that so many shitty quarterbacks should. Damn it! No, we're five minutes in. We're good. Took the advice that so many shitty quarterbacks should, and uh, just converted to tight end. He's six five. He runs like a four six. He's always hurt, but he runs really good routes, and his hands are fine. So their weaponry is awesome. <clears throat> and then their defense—it's not what it was like two years ago, but it's a good defense. Yeah. And if Chase Young can come back, he. Ha- how can Chase Young fail? He is 6'5". He is more athletic than any of the Boses. He is incredibly quick with real power. His body could fall apart. The only way that he fails is if his body fell apart. Mm-hmm. He's, 20, he's 23. Um, the guy has to be good. And he's, shown, and he's shown flashes of being good. Yeah. And even if he's not, let's say he sucks. Let's say he is total mid, like, replacement level defensive end. Montez Sweat is dope. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Allen is dope. Mm-hmm. Deron Payne is dope. Yep. And then they have depth, too. They have Fidarian Mathis. I love Fidarian Mathis as a third defensive tackle. He's due at Alabama. Yeah. Strong boy. Yeah, so even even if Chase Young doesn't pop, it's going to be a good defensive line. If he does pop, God forbid, they might they might force a lot of offensive lines to you know break plays to the point they don't function. I mean, their defensive line was really good last year, and that was largely without Chase Young. Almost exclusively without Chase Young. And now, ideally, they're getting him back. Montez Sweat is another year of development, and I think their secondary got a little bit better. Well, let's which talk about will it. Help that out a lot. So I think that D line is going to be. Terrifying. I so I think it's I put this connection together today actually while talking with some people the circle and uh, offensive line and secondary are kind of the same thing and defensive line and receiving cores are kind of the same thing because you only need one really good defensive lineman to like make a defense function at that level like at that tier mm-hmm. and then you only need one really good receiver to make an offense function like you can run the Justin Jefferson offense you can run the we have Aaron Donald defensive line but on the back end your secondary if you have Darrell Revis in his prime and then some bullshit you know Jeff Akuda, you have a bad secondary yep if you have you know Trent Williams at left tackle and you have the rest of the 49ers offensive line you have a bad offensive line so the Commanders have a bad offensive line, and appropriately enough, they have an iffy secondary. But you, you are right. Emmanuel Forbes is a huge add. Yeah, I think that's a big difference for them, and that's been their biggest weakness has been the corner <clears throat> spot. Yeah, so I've loved Kendall Fuller for years. He belongs in the slot. He's an elite slot, and just because they haven't had a second corner for a decade, he's had to do everything, and now he's older. So adding Forbes helps keep him in the slot, and I think that's huge. Mm-hmm. Now, unfortunately, the second cornerback is probably going to be Benjamin St. Just, who is the worst cornerback I've ever graded for the draft. He has no idea what he's doing other than being tall. Yeah, but as a secondary corner, being tall does a lot of the work for you because typically you're getting matched up against the other teams. Well, it depends because he's also very slow and not quick. That does hurt. So the way that you hide Benjamin St. Juiced is the same way you hide any tall, slow, not quick cornerback. <clears throat> Richard Sherman. You play cover three. And and this is like why cover three can turn a tall cornerback with some skills, Sauce Gardner, into the unanimous best corner in the world, right? So the commanders don't play a ton of cover three. They're a cover two team. But you have to figure Jack Del Rio is kind of an idiot, but he's not a complete moron. He's not going to run out there with his terrible six foot four corner and say, try to move. He At some point, he'll figure out play cover three. And last year, St. Juiced was arguably their number one outside corner, and they were still a fine defense. So the secondary will be okay. Cameron Curl's a good safety. Uh, I don't know shit about Dayrick Forrest. I won't even pretend. But the secondary is better than it was last year, and last year it was okay enough. Yeah, I mean, I don't think this defense is going to be incredible because that secondary will give up easy stuff. But that D-line is going to 
make they're going to make it really hard on run games and they're going to get after some quarterbacks that could put their D uh their DBs into a good position to be able to make plays. Yeah, and and St. Just won't have to cover for long cuz the defensive line will get there. Exactly. So I think that it'll be able to cover for what is maybe is still a weaker DB room if you're trying to, you know, be a contender, but I think that D-line overpowers it. So I think that D will still be pretty good. All right, we've we've wasted enough time not talking about the thing. So let's talk about the thing. Sam Howell. Sam Howell is the fucking truth. He's looked really good. Okay, so we don't upgrade based off preseason. We've already said that, and we're maintaining it. Don't get it twisted. I had Sam Howell with a very high grade, an embarrassingly high grade. I think Sam Howell's a top 10 quarterback day one if he gets to start. Coming out of the draft at UNC, I thought he should have been the first overall pick. Uh, Even though the Jaguars have Trevor Lawrence, I think that Sam Howell's a better prospect coming out of college. Uh, That puts me on a very small island. That I am, I am absolutely Tom Hanks and Castaway on this island, mm-hmm. and that's fine. You are, you are in an elite fan club of Sam Howells, along with his friends and family. Mm, no, no, his friends and family are not on this island. In fact, this island might actually just be a large turtle that I think is land. It's turtles all the way down, man. So, regardless, I think Sam Howell's really good. And it's really nice when in his first start last year against a Dallas Cowboys team playing all their starters, attempting to win in week 18, Sam Howell played well, not great, but certainly well. And for a first start ever, really, really well. He's done nothing but continue that in the preseason. And in classic Sam Howell fashion, nobody really pays attention. Like, I, I, if you go... Do yourself a favor. Go read his scouting reports from, like, anybody you trust. NFL.com. You know, Daniel Jeremiah. Go read The Ringer. Go read The Athletic. PFF. Anybody you like. Go read Sam Howell's scouting report. None of them really have, like, a knock. None of them are like, ah, he's good, but this. You know? They all just kind of say, like, eh, you know. They just don't pay attention. And he's a quiet, kind of weird dude. Went to a school that didn't really win a ton of games. Not a football powerhouse. So, I kind of get it, but... I think they'd all admit he has a strong arm. That's kind of empirical. You can't really deny it. Mm -hmm. He clearly has some idea how to run because even though he's not that athletic, he ran for 900 yards as a junior. That's a lot of yards. Uh, His statistics, his raw passing and rushing statistics in college were as good or better than Trevor Lawrence every year. And coming into his junior year, before he lost two of his three receivers and his entire offensive line, he was like widely considered to be a top five pick. So it's it's weird. I don't think anybody has a strong argument for why he should have fallen. And now in the preseason, he has continued to play friggin' incredible, and people are starting to take notice because of the Monday night win over the Ravens when he played dope. But we're not upgrading on the preseason. The preseason just keeps on confirming what I already saw. So even if I'm way too high on Sam Howell, and I'm crazy for having him inside the top 10, you know, maybe not in his first couple starts, obviously, but by year's end, I think he'll be a top 10 quarterback. Even if I'm way off, I'm way too high. I would be shocked if he wasn't top 20. And last year, this team was a seven-win team with Taylor Heineke, who I love, but he's a mid-tier backup. Yeah, I mean, the the issue is going to be the offensive line. Yeah. Because I think how one of, one of his knocks was, the one that I can remember, was that he could be a little slow on processing. Yeah, he can eat, he can eat a sack. And he can get a little, a little tied up in his reads. So sometimes stuff would happen too slow for him. Him, he would take some bad sacks and it's why he had a lot of those rushing yards is because he would have to get out of things yeah but i mean unc also had some struggles on the old line oh boy so yeah. he's he's not a stranger to kind of running around but i don't think that's the situation that's prime to drop him into so i think that there might be a bit of a learning curve the nfl's hard but yep. i agreed with your evaluation when i watched him i haven't seen too much of the preseason stuff but yeah i i didn't get why he dropped as far as he did either i think we both bet on him going like before the halfway point in the second round yeah and i thought that was a lock yeah i felt so comfortable because it's like ah you know he's probably not gonna be the first or second guy off the board but he'll be in that realm because he was a 
highly touted prospect that had a crazy junior year. And this year, like, they just lost a lot of talents. It's understandable why a not great program is going to take a step back. But everyone just kind of let it go and thought maybe, okay, maybe he, you know, they put him in and ran him through, you know, play stuff and had him break down plays live and he couldn't do it or something. But then he's playing and he's playing well. So, I don't know. I'm excited. I think it'll be a lot of fun, especially because I think actually Biennemi will do a good job with that offense. That's another thing. Coming into this, again, we try not to take too much out of the preseason, but one of my worries in the offseason was my X factor before I realized the offensive line was a disaster. Is Eric Biennemi an idiot? Because he's had roughly 20 head coaching interviews and he hasn't gotten a job. And he was the offensive coordinator, yes, in name only. He did not call plays. He did not really run the offense. But he technically was the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Super Bowl winning Chiefs. And Patrick Mahomes swears by him. So you'd figure some team would throw a head coaching job at him just for the hell of it, right? But nobody did. And part of you wonders, like, is there a reason Andy Reid won't let him call plays? Is there a reason he keeps on flunking these job interviews? Is there a reason that, like, insiders report that his his interviews are a disaster? And it might just be that he sucks as a guy. Because all summer, the commander's players have been bitching to Ron Rivera about how he's very annoying, way too intense, kind of an asshole. But in the preseason, watching his play sequencing, watching his play designs, the commanders aren't messing the plays up. They know what they're running. It seems that the plays have been installed well. And the play designs look like classic Andy Reid West Coast shit. So I, I'm not saying I think that the enemy will be good necessarily, but he doesn't look like a fucking unmitigated disaster. Yeah. And that's huge. Because you could see a disaster right away. Absolutely. I mean, there are, and I think this team is just really interesting. There's a lot. There's a lot of fun storylines with Washington football team this year mm-hmm. because they just got bought. They might change their name again. Which yeah. is hilarious. I'll fucking do it. You just want give uh, me, bring back Chief Wahoo. Give me the well, not Chief Wahoo, but give me <laughs> back the Redskins. And they have all this excitement. They got Biennemi, who is a guy that has gotten head coaching jobs. People talk about, is he, you know, incredible? Is he just, are people too racist? Is it because he doesn't call plays? Is it because of his past? Is it, there are so many things. Eric Biennemi has problems with the thing in his pants. He's, he's had problems. And also drinking. Yeah. Now, granted, that was like 20 years ago. Yeah. So... I think it's ridiculous to hold those against him. But also, not great. Yeah. It, it, and so those things come in. So there are all these questions. But he might be awesome at this. You have Howell, who is once a really highly touted prospect that you and I both like, or you love, and I like a lot. I love. A really good receiver room with some fun running backs. But the O-line is bad. Yeah. The DB room isn't great. Yeah. Rivera is really kind of a coin flip, and is he going to know what's going on? He was an 85 bear. We don't speak any slander, but he's also a dumbass coach. Yeah, like, and... And it's not slander, because he is. And there might be, and maybe we find out the reason the enemy has gotten hired is because he's a psychopath and as soon as they run into any problems he's going to start like benching all their starters or something who knows but so i think this team is could be really really good you just really really bad you just crab swirled me so fucking hard because i never considered like the human aspect of like the enemy might actually just be truly insane yeah he might try and even though he's an andy reed guy he might do some belichick stuff or some college stuff that pisses guys off or That was actually pretty good. I knew what you were doing. Yeah, no, I, I'm good at that one. Um, so I I think that this team on paper should be pretty good. I think the, the O-line scares me. I think the DBs can get covered up by that strong D-line. But they have a lot of good players. But, man, fuck, I could see them winning six games again. Or seven games, or maybe they won last year. The, yeah, no, this is this is a gas team, dude. They're guess what their season win total is at seven. Fuck you, six and a half. <laughs> so I the, the, I have one future bet this season. I have half a unit on over six and a half, and then I have another half unit on over eight and a half at plus three hundred odds. Um. <sighs> Offensive line notwithstanding, I think it would be difficult for them not to put together a 500 season. Yeah, I think that's definitely in there. I also don't think that they are the worst team in this division. And and that's the biggest knock, is that this division is tough as hell. It is. Um... I'm going to lead you by the nose to who we're going to do next. Because I think we've covered this team. It's a gas team. 
but it's also a scary game. It's a, it's a gas team with uncertainty. We're super high on this team, but we're not sure of anything. This was, this is a team that if they do well, we're going to be absolutely pounding our chests mm-hmm. because we feel like we identified some reasons they should have a better year. But also if they suck, be like, yeah, okay, I, I get it. Yeah, there are, <laughs> there are just a few too many variables in this one for us to predict the outcome properly. Like Sam Howell could be awesome and it wouldn't be enough for us to be right because the enemy could suck. Ron Rivera could suck, and the offensive line could be picking their. The offensive line could suck. We're gonna be. We're gonna keep it PG thirteen today. But yeah, so there are so many ways to lose if you're gassing the commanders. But Loki, until they scare us, I think we're gonna gas them. I agree. Let's talk about the worst team in this division, and and this is a high. This is a, this is a high bar. It's a good. Good. This is a good team. Am I guessing? No, I'm gonna tell you because I don't want to trigger anybody by one of us guessing. I think the worst team in this division is the Giants. Really? I would not have guessed that. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, we'll get to the other teams. But, yeah, no, I just... Look, let's go through the rankings first. So, PFF has the Giants as Team 13. And Vegas has them at Team 19. And I also have them at 19. But because I don't have Washington down in the 20s like they do, I'm slightly different than them in that I think the Giants are the worst team. Now, should we go... Th- well, what are your thoughts? They're they're a confusing team because they're they don't look good on paper. No. When you look at their roster and who's going to be slotted where, you kind of go, eh, I don't. This doesn't look like a a great squad. Like they have some players. I mean, Andrew Thomas is one of the best tackles in football. Darren Waller is one of the best tight ends in football when he's healthy. And they have some studs on the defensive side. But in the the wide receiver room is really interesting to me because they don't have any stars. But they've got but guys I love. They have a lot of guys that are really good at their role. And I feel like it, they're set up where, you know, they don't have anyone that's going to be able to run nine routes on the field really well. But they have a bunch of dudes that can each do two really well. And so I think that gives them a lot of ability, especially when you have Dable back there. It's really well said. So I don't think they're that talented at least on offense and defense is a lot of question marks because they got some young guys in there and that the DBs still scare me. But like we saw last year when you have a really good coach and he's able to properly utilize the talent, sometimes you can win a lot of games that you shouldn't win. Yeah, so Dable's an awesome head coach. Um, Let's all pour one out for uh, what could have been because remember two years ago when the Chargers almost hired Dable for their head coaching opening and then they decided to go with Staley instead because, and this was their logic, well, we already have Justin Herbert, so our offense will always be great. We might as well get a defensive whiz so that our defense can be great, too. That's stupid. Yes. Stupid. Um, yeah, Dable's awesome. And and got to give props to Mike Kafka as well because he's similarly awesome. You're merging Andy Reid's offense, one of the best, with Brian Dable's more vertical play-action offense, which is one of the best. It's a marriage made in heaven, unless you like defense, and then it's a match made in hell. So the offensive line, there's hope, because Andrew Thomas is sick, right? Mm -hmm. And you got three guys who suck, and Evan Neal who shouldn't suck, but did. And it might just take him time to adjust, like Andrew Thomas sucked his first year. Now, Grant, I think that was mostly a coaching problem. Yeah, and they've been through three offensive line coaches since. Uh, the third one worked. Yeah, so I I think that O-line, they don't inspire a ton of hope. Well, John Michael Schmitz should be good, but he's a rookie center, you know? It should take time. Yeah, and then, you know, we talked about Evan Neal, and then you have, what, Mike Lewinsky? Yeah, Mike Lewinsky's nothing. He's a replacement-level, like, good backup. Exactly, and then Ben Bradison. Bradison, another guy who's, like, a good backup low-end starter. Yeah, and so, like, you ideally have your strongest points at your tackles and hopefully your center, but... You don't really have anyone that you can count on outside of Andrew Thomas. The other four might all suck again. Yeah. No, it's totally possible that they have four shitty offensive linemen and Andrew Thomas. So the offensive line is iffy at best. And then their wide receivers are good-ish. Like, I love Darius Slayton, but the dude can't catch very well. Like, he's he's big. He runs incredible routes. He's so savvy. He's very fast. 
But the boy drops footballs, and he's inconsistent. And then you've got uh, Hodgins, Isaiah Hodgins, slow as all hell, but he catches everything. If you could marry those guys and make them have a baby somehow, that baby would be a really elite receiver. But alas, we lack the technology. But then you keep going down. I know. And you have. I, know. I love Jalen Hyatt so much. He should have been a first-round pick. I love Jalen Hyatt. And he's a guy that can absolutely take the top off a of defense. And he is so fast crazy now you have daniel jones throwing him the ball but we'll get into that later yep because as you keep going down the list of sterling shepherd sterling shepherd who plays six games a year but normally there's six really good games. let's assume his knees are intact and let's assume he hasn't lost well his game was all quickness and if he's lost that from the consecutive torn acls that could be bad i mean how many snaps does he play a game or play a season i don't know but i was there when he tore his knee week three last year it's Against the Cowboys, that was kind of gross. Yeah. <laughs> it so was not cool to see. Him, I mean, you have Paris Campbell, Jameson Crowder, like Cole Beasley's somewhere down there. Yeah, you. None of these guys are people that are going to take your offense to the next level. But everybody can function, and it gives them incredible depth. Which they can is go so useful. They can go five wide, and their four and five are better than your fourth and fifth DB. Yeah, and when Promise. Sterling Shepard tears his ACL in week five, they can still go you five. You miss a beat. Because like, even like David Sills is certainly not a great receiver, but I like him for what he is. He's a preseason superstar. Like He's a big-bodied dude with good hands, and if you need him to do something, it won't be done well, but it'll be done enough. In the, I mean, you even have Wandale Robinson, who got yep. injured last year, right? Yep. Super quick dude out of Kentucky. He's working his way back. He's like a shitty Kadarius Tony, which is why they got rid of Kadarius. Darius Tony. Uh, they got Bryce Ford Wheaton out of West Virginia. Six foot four, four four speed. Just, just, just terrible hands. I don't think I've ever seen him catch a ball that was above his head. I don't think I've ever kept, seen him catch a ball that was above his shoulders. But he'll be open and big. Uh, and then, and then don't forget Darren Waller. Like again, yeah, he might not play five games, but he is so elite when he's healthy. He's six foot four. And was a speed wide receiver before he got clean and converted to tight end. And Christianity. Did he? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it just is a classic thing that people do when they get clean. He also got married and has tattoos up the side of his head now, uh, which really upset me when I saw because he was such a, a pretty looking man. I'm I'm straight as all hell, but you know you know come on man, he's incredibly handsome. He's blue eyed, light skinned, and ripped to all hell. So we're gay for Darren Waller a little bit, mm-hmm. and then Daniel Bellinger is a very good backup tight end. So they they've got a ton of depth. They lack superstars. They're gonna force feed Darren Waller the ball to the extent that he's alive, which is a small extent. And then we're not talking too much about Saquon Barkley because I think we agree he's not all that. He's, he, I think he's really good at his roles. I think if you're running outside with him. Yeah, if you run outside, yeah. He's great at that. He's amazing. He lacks vision. He lacks vision. I don't think he's incredible between the tackles, and he has injury concerns. So he's not like an elite, elite guy, but he's, he's good for some really nice plays. We always talk about classic Saquon game is he averages two and a two and a half yards of carry through the entire game and then midway through the fourth quarter he breaks a run for 72 yards and brings his average up to 4.6 and everyone yep. goes, "Wow, what a great game for him." Yep. And you're like, "Well, like yeah, he did have a 72-yard run for a touchdown, which is great, but every other time he ran the ball, it did nothing for us." And he's not like He's considered a receiving back, but he's not a great receiving back. Like, he catches the ball fine, but he doesn't run routes very well. His routes are not diverse, and he doesn't track the ball, like, over his shoulders well. So you have to force, you got to force feed him touches. Whereas, like, a Christian McCaffrey, like, you can just make him do anything, and he's really good at it. He's not that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, like, if you want him to run a Texas route, he can run it. You know, a little, like, uh, half circle route from the running back if you play Madden. He could do shit like that, but he's not, you know, you don't want him on wheels. You don't want him flexing out and motioning across the formation. But regardless, Plenty of weapons for a genius like Brian Dable to utilize and Mike Kafka to utilize. Got to give him shine. Daniel Jones. So this team is all iffy, and that's why I think they're an average team. But if you thought their wide receivers were like wishy-washy because they're kind of good, but they're not really good and everybody's hurt all the time, Daniel Jones is much the same because Daniel Jones is one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL, I believe, at throwing intermediate balls. So like eight to 12. 
8 to 17 yards downfield, he's a killer. He's so good at it, and he's very mobile. He's probably a top 5, certainly a top 8 running quarterback amongst starters, which you don't expect. He's sneaky fast. Vanilla Vic. Is he, is he actually called that? That's a nickname that... It's a, long story i mean there's the fucking espn article from like or sports illustrator from like 20 years ago where it's like what if mike vick was white and it's like well he still killed dogs a lot so probably still jail there yeah there's there's a lot at play in the michael vick story but yeah i've heard people call i think it started actually from a youtuber and then but there were reports that uh there were people like on the giants calling him vanilla vick last year well i don't connect with this world anymore but those are the two good things about Andrew jones the intermediate ball and the running ability. Intermediate ball is very important to me. The running ability, not so much. The deep ball, that's fucking putrid. When I, I was when I was going through grading every one of Daniel Jones' snaps this year, because, well, shout out Rod. Rod loves Daniel Jones, and I hate that I have to tell Rod, Daniel Jones sucks all the time because it, it breaks his heart. And I, I'm fond of Rod. Don't Joe clip that. Rod. Don't clip that. Pause. I know we just talked about how hot Darren Waller is, and I just said I'm fond of Rod, but we're n- I'm not gay. <laughs> Be okay if you were, Joe. It, there's just nothing know. wrong with it, but I'm not it. Don't misgender my sexuality. I know, I, was, I fucking loaded that one up. Anyway, speaking about Rod, every time Daniel Jones threw an inaccurate deep ball, Actually, every time Daniel Jones threw a deep ball, I, I recorded the clip. The reason I said an inaccurate deep ball is because it was almost all of them. And within three games, I had 23 clips and I had to stop. But the pattern continued throughout all of the games I graded of him and I graded about 600 snaps. His deep ball sucks. And Darius Slayton got open deep, like a lot. And he couldn't, couldn't hit him. Richie James got open deep pretty, pretty often. Could not hit him. Isaiah Hodgins didn't, and that's why he caught the most balls. Because he wasn't trying to catch the deep balls. It's just bad. And then the short passes, you know, Jones is fine. It's nothing to write home about. But to the extent that Daniel Jones can improve on his deep ball and his processing at age, what, 27? Something like that. With tons of starting experience and a great, great offensive coach that's been guiding him recently. Like, to the extent he can improve, fine. This team could be sick. But he won't. I don't believe quarterbacks get much better after, like, their first two, three years. And... I, I think this team is solid, but a lot of their success last year can be attributed to luck. Yeah. They beat the Jaguars, Ravens, and Packers, all in games in which they were trailing by double digits with less than five minutes in the fourth quarter. And they did it all based off of fumble luck. That's yeah. not sustainable. And I think there is something to when you've been a bad team for a few years and you're playing a team that's having a good year and they get up by three scores on you take the foot off the gas pedal i think they go okay yeah we've been here before we we've shit on the giants not so much the jags but like the packers and the ravens absolutely and you start coasting and i'll give the giants and dable a lot of credit that they were able to keep fighting and make really crazy stuff happen at the end of games last year but i think you're gonna get a better shot from teams because you're the team that went to the playoffs last year yeah you're not just like uh, the giants who pick in the top 10 mm-hmm. every year for the last however many years these are the giants who made the playoffs are the second favorite in the division and got better so i think that they might not get the opportunity for some of the the late game comebacks though i think they are better than they were last year they are better than they were last year but last year they should have been like a 7-8 win team and they got lucky and their schedule got harder yeah and so like and let's look at so we gone over their offense nothing stands out on offense as like really good on defense it's much the same like leonard williams is a stud that is true dexter lawrence is a stud that is true so they're sick in the defensive interior but i'm not writing home about aziz ojulari and Kayvon thibodeau like i know thibodeau was a high pick he didn't show me much last year and he's a dude who's had attitude questions he's a mercurial guy i, I will hate him forever because of the snow angel thing because of the snow angel. i mean that was the biggest piece of shit like that should be a crime i don't know what crime but it should be a crime. I don't I don't know if it should be a crime. Somebody should spank him in public for that. I'm, I'm still upset with I, those I, I want, Colts offensive linemen. I want to talk to his mom. This man is from a nice neighborhood in Thousand Oaks, California. Somebody didn't raise him right. I want to know how that happened. I, yeah, it, it was, anyway, uh, so I'm on, unbi- I'm, I'm very biased about Kayvon Thibodeau, and he could become a 
top three edge rusher in the league. I'd be shocked. And I'm still going to go, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I think Kayvon Thibodeau will be a B-plus edge rusher, which is an above-average starter. And I think that Aziz Ojolari will be an average starter. But one, they haven't showed that yet. And two, they're in their second year. Give them some time. Yeah. So their, their defensive line as a whole is mediocre to me. Because the defensive tackles are sick, the edges are meh, it's solid. Their linebackers, Bobby Okariki is their star linebacker. That's bad. And then their second, their safeties are Jason Pinnock, which is not a Yiddish way of saying penis, and Xavier McKinney, who had an off year last year after sucking prior to that. Mm-hmm. Xavier McKinney can't cover. He's Landon Collins at the back end of Landon Collins' career. So you've got two dudes who should not be covering anybody as safeties. And then this is where it gets tricky. I love Adderay Jackson. He's sick. The one issue with his game is he's small, but they're moving him to the slot, and he'll be safe there. Deontay Banks out of Maryland was my second corner on the board this year, right behind uh, Christian Gonzalez. Deontay Banks is sick. Like, he's really, really good. Like, I think he's going to be a, a Pro Bowl caliber player. I gave him an A- grade. And then <laughs> on the other side, they're starting Trey Hawkins, a uh, seventh round or maybe undrafted rookie. A sixth round pick, sorry. I have no idea what to do with that. I didn't watch him. I don't want to watch him. But he's got to be doing something right because he is starting over, well, I used to love Amani Aruwarie, but he lost all of his ability to move. So, I mean, but, you know, the guy earned a starting spot as a six-round pick. He's Maybe he's got something. But at the best, assuming that this Trey Hawkins III is dope, you're still looking at a team with massive holes at safety. So you can't say their secondary is good. You can't say their defensive line is good. You certainly can't say their linebackers are good. We've got another unit or another phase of their team, which is messy with great reasons for optimism. I, if this Trey Hawkins is any good, they could have the best cornerbacks in the NFL. It'd be nuts if they retooled it that quickly. Deontay Banks is sick. Adderidge Jackson is sick. I have no idea about Trey Hawkins. If he's as good as Deontay Banks, holy fuck. I have a feeling he won't be. I do too. I have a feeling there's a reason he was around for pick number 211. Yeah. Do you have his combine shit? I know. Not that that's going to be like a massively helpful indicator, but I don't know. Maybe he ran a 4-2. All right. Some combine measurements. Uh, So he's 6'2", 190. That's nice. Ran a 4'4". That's good. Uh, Vertical jump, 37.5. Pretty fucking good. Broad jump, 10.9. That's pretty fucking good. Three cone, 6.74. This guy might be a sick athlete. Uh, All right, so this is where I feel like we need to figure things out. Where the fuck did he go to school? So this is where I'm looking at. Started his college career at Trinity Valley Community College and played two seasons there. Then he transferred to Old Dominion, but got canceled because of COVID. And then in 2021, he set school records. This guy might be sick. This sounds like the makings of a sick player that just slipped through the cracks. I had a really good okay, so, fifth dude, season. Okay, so the, the Giants might have a dope secondary. It seems like he can tackle really. He gets a lot of tackles, which I don't love as a cornerback. I kind of don't like it. Because the, I, the normally if you're making a lot of tackles, it's because your guy caught the People ball. People catching a lot of balls. Or maybe he's just really good in the run game. He loves to get in and mix it up. Well, he's fucking huge. He's the size of a linebacker, and he moves like a really fast corner. So apparently... Uh, he was penalized six times in 2021, only once in 2022. People said he plays undisciplined at times, but he's got an incredible mix of size, speed. Yeah, fuck it. I like this guy. Yeah. I I'm, mean, high, I'm high on this Giants secondary. The, but- the Giants brought him for a top 30 visit. Okay, so the Giants defense is going to be, assuming this dude is real, this Giants defense will be solid. And they do have Wink, but we know not to put that much stock in good old defensive coordinators because we've been burnt before, haven't we? We have been. All right, so apparently he struggles with speedy receivers, and his footwork at the line of scrimmage is kind of rough, so he gets beat off the line sometime. Yeah, but that's what you have Deontay Banks for. So I think this team is worse. They definitely have the worst quarterback in the division. Because Howell is probably my favorite. I think Howell's the best. And then I go Dak and then Hurts, but it's very close. I don't care if you switch him. And then Daniel Jones, clearly the bottom. Probably the best coach, but there's some good coaches in this division. And if Eric Bieniemy's real, the commanders are included in that group. Overall, I just think that the Giants got really lucky last year, and they lacked the high-end talent, and you can only hide a bad quarterback for so long. Eventually, somebody will catch on. 
Yeah, and when you're a team that went to the playoffs, has a tougher schedule, is being talked about as... You're going to start getting A games instead of C games. Exactly. And again, I mean, it's not like people are expecting them to come out and really even do the same thing they did last year, because they're already ranked in the low teens, it seemed like. But they're a little bit in the same boat as the Commanders, that I could see them having a really good year. They're an interesting team. I, I've but had they them also suck. I've had them as high as 10 in my power rankings, and I've dropped them now as low as 19. So there's a wide delta, hard to bet against a great coach. I don't think this is a fade team at all. It simply isn't a gas team. It's a neutral. I think that's fair. Next team? Next team. All right, next up, we got them Dallas Cowboys. All right, PFF has Dallas as Team 7. Vegas has Dallas as Team 7. And I have Dallas as Team 9, which is weird because I'm I'm high on Dallas. Like, Hear me out. Go for it. I think they... Go ahead. You explain. The offensive line in Dallas for the last decade has been good. And, you know, Tyron Smith won't play half the year. But, you know, we're used to that. Tyron Smith, when he plays, will be sick. Tyler Smith, their first-round pick last year, looked really surprisingly good. Yeah. Like, way better than I thought. I thought he'd be raw and an athlete and he'd figure it out one day. He was good. Zach Martin. Stud. Dare we say Hall of Famer? I think will be. Uh, Terrence Steele is a fine, you know, mediocre bridge right tackle. Tyler Biotish is a C-plus to C, like, you know, good backup, backup-level center. And then they've got decent depth. Like, you know, I love Chuma Idoga, their swing tackle. He can pass block like hell. It's just a question of if he'll ever get a chance. And Matt will let's go out of North Dakota. Anybody out of North Dakota on the offensive line, I think, can't be that bad, although Luke Gadecki begs to differ. So the offensive line is fine. And then quietly, they've turned this wide receiving core back into a monster. We'll start with the obvious best receiver, Cavante Turpin, whom I adore because he is so fast and quick, dude. He doesn't really know how to play football, but God forbid he touches the ball. Uh, but no, I mean, CeeDee Lamb is legitimate. The disc sheep. Floppy Livestock is a good big slot. He's not like the X that Des Bryant was or that you would think of as a number 88 on the Cowboys, but he's a very good slot. Uh, think like late stage Larry Fitzgerald. And then Brandon Cooks, he's got that Sam Howell disease where it's just impossible to pay attention to him because he's like a still really good second wide receiver. He's very fast. He's got good hands. He can run most routes like he still hasn't turned 30. He's not 30! And he's been on 92 teams! He's going to turn 30 in a month, but still, yeah, people trade him every year, and he produces everywhere well, he is. And that's the thing, is like, oh, how often, you know, if he keeps on getting traded, he can't be that good. Well, no, I mean, it's, he keeps on getting traded for good stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then Michael Gallup sucked last year, but he was recovering from a bad knee, like a really bad knee, and he was never like a speed X to begin with. He was a very crafty dude with awesome body control. Not as good as Garrett Wilson, but in that vein. I do too, and he's going to be healthy. You know, he's got another year of rehab on that knee. He's going to be back playing X. Brandon Cooks will be off the line at Y, and then CD will be in the slot. Now, where the, the offense gets a little interesting, halfback and tight end. Yeah, so, um, halfback, you have Tony Pollard, who's going to slide into that number one role, the true number one role. And then Deuce Vaughn, representing us short kings, is actually legitimately... Dude, he was fucking... It's not like he played at Saginaw Valley State. Like, he played at Kansas State and was their entire offense, and they were a good team. Like, I know it's the Big 12, but it's... I don't know. He's 5'5". And, and he does not look it. He looks 5'2". You see, actually, MP3 Cow bought, like, toddler shoes and put them in the locker room and made a video and was like, damn, Deuce Vaughn just leaving his shit everywhere. That's hilarious. Um, What fun. But he's fucking good, dude. And he's so quick. And he, maybe he'll get a little bit of Maurice Jones-Drew action where, like, people just lose him behind the line. Honestly, it's very possible. I would. He's tiny. He's, he's so smaller small. than me. And then you have... Ronald Jones, I thought, was going to be good in the league. I thought he'd be all right, too, man. He's, he might get cut. Yeah, I think he'll get cut. Bad everywhere. But, I mean, at tight end, it is weird because nobody's sick. But they go three deep with, like, white dudes who can cope. Like, they've got Austin Hooper disease through the ass. Like, <laughs> Jake Ferguson is enough. He's enough. Peyton Hendershot last year had to step in due to some injuries, and, like, he was enough. And then Luke Shoemaker was a second-round pick, and... The best thing I could say about him when scouting him is, like, he makes the plays that are there. So they'll be solid everywhere. 
And then Dak Prescott is the definition of enough. He's literally, the line is, you are a franchise quarterback if you're better than Dak Prescott. And you're probably not the guy if you're worse than Dak Prescott. So, like, he's enough. Everything is enough. And then I don't think Mike McCarthy is nearly as stupid as people make him out to be. I generally agree. I think he does some pretty stupid stuff. But for the most part, he's a competent head coach. Yeah. And, like, people give him a... The the worst thing you can say about Mike McCarthy is that he talks a bad game in the media about wanting to run the ball more. And, like, his classic quote, like, oh, you know, Kellen Moore was just trying to put all the points in the world up on the board, and I'm trying to win football games. And it's like, well, who fucking cares? Because Brandon Staley always talks about how he wants to throw the ball deep and have an aggressive offense. And then he comes out throwing dinks and dunks with Mike or Joe Lombardi as his OC. So, like, who, who cares what he says? Look at what he does. And everywhere he's been, he's led really good offenses, except at the end with the Packers when Aaron Rodgers was freeballing, calling remarkably... He called audibles that had nothing to do with the personnel on the field because Aaron Rodgers is a diva. The, the only difference that I think is that the Cowboys lost Kellen Moore. Yeah. And they replaced him with Brian Schottenheim. Yeah, but Mike McCarthy's calling the plays. Sure, but I think that it signifies a shift. Mm, because that they are going to run the ball more. Schottenheimer is a run dude. He is a Norv Turner offense dude. Yeah, so I think that worries me a little bit in that I think they're making moves to create an offense that's a little bit more built like that. And because the offense is a little bit more one-dimensional, they don't have a stud tight end. I don't know if you could call, uh, what's his name? I can't think of his name. I can't either, but he's Dalton another. Schultz. Dalton Schultz. Another. I was say Dalton Kincaid, and I'm like, no, this guy just got drafted. Dude, Dalton Schultz is kind of just another white dude who takes advantage. I, yeah, I don't think Dalton Schultz is, like, special by any means. Yeah. But I think he was a guy that could do a little bit of everything. They were comfortable with him. Like and, like Jake Ferguson and Luke Schoenmacher? I mean, that's a decent point. These guys might come in and just be... I feel like they're going to be the same shit. carbon copy. But I don't know if I trust it as much. And although Pollard was clearly the better running back for them over Zeke... You got the volume Zeke's, problem now. I think it's a volume problem. And Pollard has already had injury issues oh, shit, in his yeah. career. He's a slight like, man. A lot. And yeah, he's more of a speed guy that's smaller. Now, I think the they have some interesting backups... But that can come in where if you you get your boy Deuce Vaughn, you get Ronald Jones. But, like, these aren't – they're big drop-offs where before Zeke – although Zeke is not the guy he used to be, he still would give you solid runs. Yeah, he's a – And you could count on him. He's going to be good in pass pro. Replacement caliber running back who knows what the fuck he's doing. So I just think they got thinner at a lot of those positions, and it's going to put more pressure on Dak. On top of, yeah, McCarthy's calling the plays, but I think it's going to be more of a run and then try and throw out of it. Yeah. And I think that it makes Dak have to be a lot better, which makes the Cowboys way worse. I think that's fair. But here's the thing. This might be the best defense in the NFL. It's really fucking good. Okay, so so Demarcus Lawrence is a good B-plus defensive end. And Sam Williams, their second-round pick from last year, who would have been a first-round pick if he was not a criminal, is a really good third defensive end. And then Micah Parsons is top three. Yeah, we know about Micah. I mean, he's... Micah Parsons is really good. He's so quick. It's like, I don't understand how you stop him. And then... The issue had been that they had no defensive tackles. And one of their starters is Osa Adigijua. He's not good, but he's... I gave him a C. You know, he's a good backup. And then Mozzie Smith out of Michigan is not yet good at football, but he is a freak athlete. And he's huge. And he's huge. Mungus. And when you've... listed a 337. And when you've got pass-rushing defensive ends like Lawrence and Parsons, just having somebody to plug up the middle is so valuable. And and Jonathan Hankins is fucking healthy again. And he can plug up the middle. And Neville Gallimore is a mediocre rotational three-tech. So their defensive tackles aren't a disaster anymore, and that's a huge upgrade. You know, it's no more, you know, Dorrance Armstrong kicking into the middle and praying. So I, I like... I really like the defensive line. Because if you're going to be weak somewhere on the defensive line, I want it to be inside. Mm-hmm. See, the Browns. And then their linebackers, they lost DeMarion Overshone. He's done for the year. But Leighton Vander Esch, I've always thought is a little underrated. I think he's a good linebacker. Not a great linebacker, but a solid good linebacker. Damone Clark is a fine linebacker with some good athleticism. And this is the part I'm so excited about, dude. 
they finally have corners. This secondary, Stephon Gilmore, they wrote about how he's he was like on the tail end of his career four years ago, and he's only been sick since then. Yeah, he's like, been awesome. Turns out Bill Belichick fucked up. Shouldn't have let him go. That was a mistake. Mm-hmm. He was good in Carolina on a terrible team, and he was good in Indy on a terrible team. He's going to be really good as the second corner. Now, Trevon Diggs, I have my questions about because he does bite too hard. Um, I'm going to steal a joke from PFT commenter. Did you see Trevon Diggs' uh, the picture he liked? I did. Where it's a girl with a strap on and it says, like if you would suck it. Mm-hmm. Trevon Diggs has been known to bite on fakes. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, he, he, he is a... He has incredible ball skills. Probably, well, no. He's got the best ball skills of any corner in the NFL easily, and I don't mean that because he likes strap-ons. And he's very, he's tall. He's a big corner. He's not the fastest. He's certainly not the quickest. Might be one of the least quick, but there are great attributes to work with. And Dan Quinn is smart enough to play some cover three, although less than usual. And he's got Stephon Gilmore over at the other end to keep things simple. Malik Hooker quietly hasn't gotten hurt in two years and looks like the awesome... Yeah, knock, knock. I, I don't know if I want to knock for the Cowboys, although I do... I like, like Malik Hooker. Malik He's feet. so good, dude. He's a ball hawk. Mm-hmm. They got they got J. Ron Curse, who's a really good like box safety cover linebacker hybrid thing. He's he's a third safety. He's not starting because Donovan Wilson's also sick. So they got a corner we love, a corner who other people love that we think is solid, two safeties that are really good, and then Jordan Lewis as their slot. I love Jordan Lewis as a slot dude out of Michigan, like fifth year now. He's really good. So they got a ton in the secondary, plus an elite pass rush. This defense with with a good defensive coordinator in Dan Quinn. This defense can carry the team and the offense we already talked about like might be pretty fucking good depending on Mike McCarthy. If the offense doesn't change that much from Kellen Moore's offense schematically, this is a really good team. This is an easy playoff team. This They feel like a really high floor low ceiling team to me. I could see that. I could, Yeah, because Dak can't carry you against the Josh Allens and Mahomeses of the world. And I don't think they quite have the depth on offense. Like I like three of, the, three of their receivers. I like one of their running backs. Their tight ends should be solid. But I don't think they necessarily have guys that can help Dak overcome Dak. No, they're not. They don't have a game breaker and, on offense, and that includes their quarterback. And unless the defense is going to score a bunch of points, which is possible, eh, although never not count on likely. that. Unless it's a, unless the team is in Chicago and called the Bears, you don't bank on their defense scoring. Exactly. So I think that their but their defense is so good, it's so and good. their offense is good in every uh, every factor of the game that no matter what, they're going to be a good team. Yeah. I just don't think that they'll be incredible. But, yeah, they're they're going to be good. For the final team from the NFC East, we're looking at the almost reigning Super Bowl champions. Ha! Don't feel too bad about it, Kevin. Uh, yeah. The Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, so Vegas has them as Team 4, and PFF has them as Team 2. Want to take a guess? 7. Team 4. Oh, okay. So, okay, I mean, this is going to be really quick and easy, and it's not because we don't like the Eagles or anything. Um, they're... Their offensive line is the best in the world, and their backup offensive line would be better than the commander's offensive line. It's insane. And their defensive line might be the best in the world, and their backup defensive line might also be, like, top 10. Like, Nolan Smith won't play. Nolan Smith was my highest-graded defensive line player last year. It's insane. Jalen Carter might not play. If Jalen Carter is sober, healthy, and not causing the death of his friends and co-workers... Hey, hey, hey. He's really, really incredible at football. Allegedly causing. It's on tape. But he wasn't... He cannot be financially harmed from that statement, and he is a public figure. I am not trying to lie. It is fine. I know my defamation law. <laughs> he caused the death of those people. Uh, approximately. Mm-hmm. So, offensive line, defensive line, elite as fuck. Finally, somebody figured out how to use my boy Hassan Reddick after years of me saying he's not a linebacker. <sighs> Okay, we'll do the wide receivers. Devontae Smith, I thought, was overrated coming into the draft. He probably was, but he's still an incredible wide receiver, too. Yep. He is He is another dude like Garrett Wilson, like Jahan Dodson, but probably just the more polished version of them in that his body control is sick. His catch radius is sick. He is savvy as all hell. He is athletic enough to utilize these tools and fool defenders. And on the other side, you've got top five, maybe top three, maybe top two, nah, probably top five wide receiver A.J. Brown who is a freak. 
He's got to be on steroids. He's he's a big man. He was he was a quick, fast slot with good hands, and then during combine training, gained like thirty pounds of raw, pure muscle, and now is an elite X that kept the speed and quickness from the slot. You know, I think he just perfected his system via trend <laughs> and Winstrol. I'm a little concerned. You actually know the names of these products. Uh, I know. Uh, my YouTube feed is so gay. <laughs> this is a bad podcast for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, studs. Dallas Goddard, stud. Stud. Makes sick catches all the time. Fast enough. Big dude. Good blocker. Studs everywhere. Running backs, DeAndre Swift, I Rashad think, Penny. I think Trey they got Sermon. better. I think they got better. Some of them have to work. Boston Scott. DeAndre Swift probably will be healthy, maybe, for eight games. Rashad Penny won't be, but he'll be sick in the me- in the meantime. And maybe they can stagger their health. Yeah. Swift and Penny. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it won't matter because the way that they run their offense, the running lanes will be open. Uh, if only because their offensive line is so dominant. Yeah. Like, they could lose two starters and still have the best offensive line in the league. Yeah. They... Three, you get iffy. You drop down to five or six. But it's it's incredible. Um, okay, let's finish off the offense then. Jalen Hurts is the weakest link on their offense. Probably. And Jalen Hurts is a fine quarterback. I don't... I see him in a lot of top five lists. You're fucking nuts. It's not close to that. But I think that he's a lot like Dak Prescott in a few ways. I think they actually have, like, remarkably similar running capability. It's just Dak doesn't like to run for whatever reason. Like, they're both strong runners who have okay speed, but they're powerful, and they got good vision. Like, Jalen Hurts is not—he's not fast. He's like a 4'6", 4'7", guy. But he's very strong. He squats 600 pounds, if you heard. Uh, He's also the best QB sneak artist of all time. Might be assisted by the rules quite a bit, but I don't care. The rules are the rules. He will always get you two yards on quarterback sneaks. He's also the perfect... Okay, so not all mediocre quarterbacks are made equally, right? So there are two ways to process, fast or correct. Like Tom Brady is the best because he was super fast and always correct. But then there are some dudes who are super fast, but they don't make all the best decisions like Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers makes really quick decisions, but they're often wrong, or at least wrong often enough. And then you've got dudes like Dak Prescott who make awesome decisions. It just takes forever. Hertz is a lot like Dak Prescott in that way as well, in that Hertz is almost never wrong. But he's always slow. But when your offensive line is sick as fuck, and you've got a really good offensive coordinator, who cares? So, I don't think Hertz is the best quarterback for this offense. I think they could certainly upgrade. I don't think that Hertz is bad, but I think that to the extent that Hertz has deficiencies, this team covers them very well. I agree. My only question on offense is how much of their creativity was Steichen? How much of it is Sirianni? Because they did lose Shane Steichen. I think Sirianni will be a good o- offensive play caller again because he was a good OC with the Colts. And I know that the Eagles struggled when he was calling plays two years ago, but that's mostly because Jalen Hurts sucked and the wide receivers weren't enough to carry him without A.J. Brown. So I think their offense will come back to earth quite a bit just because, do you remember last year when Eagles' first half was the ultimate bet? Yeah. They they won every first half, but then they lost most second halves, or at least mm-hmm. against the spread. And would win by three points. So a large part of that, I believe, is because they were teams were trying to adapt on the fly to an offense they didn't yet understand. Because it's it's rare to have an offense that's so predicated on the quarterback run but also predicated on the short, efficient pass. Usually, offenses that are predicated on quarterback runs, the passes are deep. Look at, like, the Lamar Jackson Ravens, right? They're, they're throwing lots of deep balls, and he's missing them, but that's what they're trying to do. It's run and shoot through the quarterback. The Eagles did something completely different. Jalen Hurts is going to gash you for 4.5 yards every time because he's a power back, but he's also going to hit wide-open RPOs to stud receivers for 5 to 10 yards every time. And it took teams a while to figure that out. And I think that eventually you saw teams figure that out. In the playoffs, when scheme fades and everybody's ready for you, Jalen Hurts did not impress. Now, his best game was the Super Bowl. It's a good time to have it. Good time to have it. But it's not like he was dicing them up through the air, dominating that game on offense. He was, it was long, methodical drives. It was a lot of scheme, a lot of RPOs. He wasn't messing up, but he wasn't carrying. I think the Eagles are just sick because if you have a sick defensive line and a sick offensive line, you're going to be sick. And if you have a good coach on top of that, you're going to be pretty fucking sick. And if your quarterback isn't shit, you're going to be sick. But I also think they're going to take a step back on offense. They lost their OC. Jalen Hurts is going to regress because people will be ready. And then low-key, their secondary. 
secondary. I think their secondary kind of sucks. It's, it's similar to last year. Their their top three guys are the same in terms of corners. Yeah. And I think they all kind of outperformed what they really should be doing last year. Kind of. I'm going to let you cook because I've been talking too much. And they're, they're getting older. Like when you're relying on James Bradbury and Darius Slay, who yep. already, in my opinion, are showing signs of starting to fall off. And now, let's see, Bradbury's 30, Slay is... 34? I know he's older. Of course, now the internet won't work. And then you have Avante Maddox, who was incredible last year. And but is, we've seen so much bad Avante Maddox football. Exactly. And in theory, he's rounding into form. This is where he's hitting his prime. He's like 27 or 28. But we've seen too much I have, bad Avante Maddox. I have an alternate theory that explains all this. What did Jonathan Gannon do on defense last year? All cover four. Like, he ran the most cover four of anybody who ran cover four. And cover four was popular last year. It's that Fangio quarters super soft defense. And cover four shelters your cornerbacks. Because all they have to do is take away the deepest man on their side of the field. I think there's a reason that James Bradbury was an all-pro corner last year. After literally getting cut by the cornerback needy Giants. And being a mediocre starter there for some years. I think it's telling that Darius Slay, who I loved for years, went from being an okay corner on the downslide to all of a sudden Pro Bowl conversations again. It's because they're sheltering their corners. But the problem is if you're going to shelter your corners like that, everything is going to be open underneath. And when your defensive line is sick as all hell, you can get away with it. And when you play a really, 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 really weak schedule of quarterbacks last year, you can get away with it. But when they played good offenses, their defense did not hold up. Dallas torched them. The Chiefs torched them. The Giants put points up. The 49ers didn't do anything because all three of their quarterbacks were destroyed before the fucking second quarter. They did all die. So not only are these corners overrated, but they got another year older, they got another year slower, and they have no safeties. The safeties are awful. It's terrible, and it wasn't good last year, but it got worse. And they lost their slot corner because C.J. Gardner-Johnson played mostly slot corner for them when he was good. Like, most of the year he played safety and sucked. But when he moved down to slot corner, he was good and helpful. And that's when their defense started really clicking. I think... So, uh, Sean Desai, their new defensive coordinator, former Bears DC. I like him. I do too. He's a Fangio disciple. He worked with the Seahawks last year. He runs a lot of cover four as well. It's maybe even a little bit more exotic and aggressive with the blitz schemes. So, it's not that they're going to be changing up what they do. It's just that I think if you know they're doing cover four to hide their corners, there are answers. Like the whole middle tier. Cover four means you have your safeties and cornerbacks going as deep as the deepest man, right? It's basically the perfect defense for stopping four verts. But that means that you've got your linebackers covering, you got your three linebackers or, you know, three middle tier players covering everything between the defensive line and 15 yards downfield. So there's a ton of room to work the flats, to work the swings, hit the slants. There's just, there's room underneath and you can dink them and dunk them forever. It's a prevent defense. So as long as you run them off, at least, you know, you got to have somebody going deep to take people away, but it's, it's a beatable defense if you know what you're doing. And in the second year of them running this, with the corners being the biggest liability and everybody fearing that defensive line, you can dink and dunk this team. You can West Coast offense this team. And enemy in Washington runs a West Coast offense. Mike McCarthy runs a pure West Coast dink and dunk slants offense. Dable. D- Dable is certainly smart enough to run a dink and dunk offense, and he is a killer with the RPOs. So it's not that I think that this Philly defense is bad. It is simply that I think it's a little worse than it was last year, and I think that they have a matchup disadvantage against their own division on defense. It's interesting uh, pointing that out because I think that's a good observation that the type of defense the Eagles are best at and are going to play actually plays into the hands of some of their division rivals really well. I think they're still going to, you know, they're going to be really good. Yeah, I think they're, they're, they're my fourth ranked team. They're, <laughs> they're good. They're, I think that they, them and Dallas are kind of similar in that they are deep teams mm-hmm. that don't have any positions that they're like, oh, this is a hole. With killer killer rosters, but they're, they're both a quarterback away. And our quarter and their quarterbacks are guys that are, they're K- not stars. They're Knuff. Exactly. They're, they're solid players. They can do a little bit of everything. They're going to make smart decisions. If you give them time. Mm-hmm. And, and they will give going, them time. They're, you know, you're going to see the talent on the team. Yeah, they're to- like tofu. 
Exactly. So it, they're going to be fun. I think this division in general is really interesting because you have two teams that are really good, and it's just a question of how good can they be mm-hmm. in the Eagles and the Cowboys. And then you have two teams that could be really good, but also could be horrible. Like I think the Commanders have the highest ceiling in this division because if Sam Howell is what I think he is, they have the best quarterback. And if Bienemy is what many people think he is, they have the best offensive coach. I, I don't think. No, there's no fucking chance Bien- enemies that good and i think that o-line is prohibitive maybe no matter what maybe but if you're getting the ball out quick against cover four to great receivers you could do some things and you have a quarterback who can create sure but you have to be so good all game that's why it's a ceiling yeah fair i mean down the line definitely because they have the better quarterback but i think this year the eagles and the cowboys they're just so fucking deep exactly like those, yeah. those the trenches for both of those teams where the commanders have a really good d-line but they just have nothing on offense right now yeah no it's it's a great and it's great too because the nfc east has long been the most competitive division but like because they were all eight and eight whereas now like the commanders are legitimately very interesting the giants are legitimately very interesting the eagles are undeniably very good and the cowboys are low-key very good so if everything goes to hell, we're going to have two good teams in this division. And if everything goes right, we could have four really good teams. Is it possible that the entire division could make the playoffs? I I feel like, in theory, yes, it's possible. I just feel like, it, mathematically... You're not getting a wild card out of the NFC South. So unlikely. You're not getting out of NFC West. You might not get it out of the NFC North, dude. It could. It's basically all three of these teams or the Vikings, basically. I don't know. I think that there are there are always teams that we expect to be bad that are horrible. Yeah. And there are always teams who we expect to be good. Or yeah, I said that wrong. I know what you mean. Yeah. Somebody's gonna shock us in a positive and negative way. Exactly. So I think that there will be, and then you know the out of nowhere. Watch the Packers go thirteen and three anyway, and just just fucking kill me. Exactly. The Geno takes the next step and the Seahawks turn into a 13-win team. No. <laughs> Just no. You yeah. can't give that hope. Don't, don't give him that. We're going to bleep him. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that wraps us up on I, the NFC East. I think it does, too. This was a good one. It went long, but it deserved to. It's a really good division. Probably, it's a really pr- fun division. I don't know if it's the... Yeah, it's the best division of football, by basically any way you slice it. Shout out Rod. Shout out Birdman. That's Absolutely. all we got. All right. Um, we're going to try to record more podcasts this weekend so we could be more consistent. But until then, I'll be watching a ton of preseason Sam Howell footage. Sports. Asta.